Welcome back to the podcast on everything. I have with me Brady Wyant, and we're going to be discussing the Joe Rogan Experience deal and the future of podcasting. But f- before we do that, we want to say we were the first ones there. We mm-hmm. beat it to it. We made a deal with Spotify on May 19th for them to have all our audio content, the future video content, but not exclusive rights. And all that deal was worth zero dollars. And we made their stock 161.49. Mm-hmm. Punk Joe Rogan, whoever the hell he is, makes a hundred million dollar deal, makes their stock go 17.57% higher. Wow. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Basically destroying our dear deal and making us look like fools. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but they had to give up some of that equity in their company to do that. Yeah, but this isn't about us. This is about the Joe Rogan deal and the future of podcasting. Um, so he makes the deal on May 20th, Brady, and the stock goes up 17.5% to a 189. So his $100 million deal within two days netted them $5 billion. Wow. So they already have made money, <laughs> and he hasn't produced anything for him. So um, you want to get into exactly what the deal um, is? Sure. Uh, well, basically with Joe Rogan, what I understand is since this guy's been doing it, I think since 2009, uh, he's had his podcast show. Uh, I believe he tried to mimic it off of Tom Green, and believe it or not, everybody remembers Tom Green from the early 2000s. I believe he actually – credits Tom Green for coming up with the idea of having an uh, open, long uh, interview process or any way to actually talk to the people for interviews without having to have any scripts, anything like that, where you only have a five or ten minute interview, just basically two to three hours worth of interviews, talk about anything, you can basically get to know the person. So it's very good for normal media. Uh, I think he started that in, what, 2009, Dan? I think so. So it's been a little over 10 years. So in 10 years' time, he started, and I guess technology has gotten a lot better based on smartphones and being able to access this media anywhere you go, even in your car or in your headphones. And everybody knows what a podcast is. Five years ago, people probably heard about them but didn't know about them. And now everybody's basically using them or listening to audio books. So it's one of those streaming mechanisms that's it's, there's no, there's nothing about it that you, you're going to have to do it anyway. So uh, he looks like he capitalized, though. Uh, his deal looked like it was on YouTube. So every time he put an episode up, it would record on their talk. Uh, I think they said that, uh, one of the news articles read from the guardian, they said, uh, a million views the first 24 hours of his, um, stream that he had put up for that interview. So if you do a million views, I'm not sure how much YouTube pays per tens of thousands of clicks or links or views. But I'm sure once he gets to four or five million views and he does one every three days, uh, can, can we pull up that, Dan? Let's see what the stats are. And YouTube pays – YouTube pays yeah. – Yeah, so while you're doing that, I'll go over a little bit more of um, how popular his podcast got. So he was one of the first ones on the scene. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he had a following when other people jumped in. Mm-hmm. He already had that following because he was like one of the first ones. And then he started getting bigger names onto his podcast and then really blew up once, like you said, podcasts became popular four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just skyrocketed. The names he has on his show, 
are some of the biggest in the world. He's had, he's turned down a lot of people that want to run for president. He's had a few people on there, like Bernie Sanders, that has almost been close to getting the presidency. He's had Elon Musk. He's had all these big name people. So his podcast is listened to widely throughout the world. Um, and like you said, it's like a million views within a day just on YouTube. And that doesn't include all the other websites that you can listen to podcasts or watch podcasts. So um, he made a deal with Spotify that is worth over $100 million multi-year deal. And he's going to take all his all his videos, all his content, and it's going to go straight onto Spotify. So if I go to YouTube, if I go to Google, and any other websites to try to listen to them, I can't. It's exclusively on Spotify. Not only that, YouTube's going to lose a huge chunk of their profits from them because based on this viewership, this viewership, uh, daily video views, if you put 50,000 views a day, and that's two, two million views a month. So let's just stick with the two million views per month. Daily earnings are between 70 and $120 a day just from 50,000 views. So for the month at two million, you're looking at two to four thousand dollars that he'd make. And that's not being sponsored by, you know, who he has and how many people. I'm sure he gets a portion of people on the advertising dollar too that he puts up there. So. If he sells 50 items or 100 items per show, I'm sure he gets kicked back on that. But let's just say he's making $4,000 per 2 million views, and he pumps one of these out every two or three days. That's what, 10, 15 grand a, a week just on viewership. Plus, I'm sure he's getting sponsorship money. So it's big dollars that they, they can spend. But we also forget his old stuff is also highly watched too. Yep. Because he's, he's, he's a smart man. He's split it up into certain sections. So oh. him and someone, just like him and Elon Musk, they discuss something that you want to listen to. You don't have to listen to the whole three-hour podcast to find it. You can search it on YouTube and be like, oh. okay, I can see exactly what they watched and have a five-minute clip of them discussing it or 20 minutes, however long that is. So um, I don't know how much he gets from those, but – I got to be honest. I do get caught watching a lot of like old content of just like the five minute clips as well. Yeah. So what all of that, that, yeah, all of that is has to be getting money still, you know? Yeah. It says right here, hundred thousand views on YouTube, depending on the sponsorship pulls in between 500 and a thousand dollars. So if he averages a million viewerships in 24 hours from a new one each, every three or four days, that's ten. That's over five thousand to ten thousand dollars in twenty-four hours. Putting that up, then you got to count three of them a week. That's probably thirty thousand a week easily, not counting endorsements that he probably receives. Times that by that's almost two million dollars in revenue a year just from YouTube. Just from YouTube. Not saying that he's getting paid from other sources, which I'm sure he is. Well, Apple. He's always the number one podcast on Apple yeah. episodes. So now that he's took. They basically put on Spotify that money. I'm not sure how much it relates to, but it makes sense for him to kind of make everything uniform and easy to just go on Spotify. And I'm sure he's getting a cut each month of those revenues, which makes sense from a subscription service. And, uh, yeah, basically the other part of the deal is it's licensing. He gets to do, according to the um, articles we're reading, he gets to do the podcast the way he wants to do it. 
and he just sends it to them and they just get the content. And they are developing a video, uh, has somehow to put his videos up because people watch his videos. It's yeah. not just, you know, so they're developing a way to put his videos up. They will be off of everything come September 1st. Okay. So, so they have like less than four months to, or three, almost three months to get, to get everything switched over and up for him. And why this matters and why we're talking about it is multifaceted because this, this is the kingpin of podcasting. Like, yep. You know, Basically, and what you're doing is it's not like TV where you can really only watch TV and listen. These you can listen to while you're working, while you're driving. So it, it makes sense to do uh, for the technology behind it. And the fact that since he's doing this, if you think about it, he can take everything off YouTube, be on one spot, one area, and they can probably track the data a little bit better and probably get as many streams as possible because if it's removed off a lot of these sites, they're probably pirating anyways and not paying for different streaming services. I'm not sure how YouTube does it, but, I mean, for him, it's going to make sense as far as the next 10 years, 20 years, this is the direction to go. And I know Spotify, I, I actually joined Spotify probably five or six years ago when they first came up and it's like 10 bucks a month to start. Uh, and basically I loved it because I used to burn CDs and buy CDs all the time. And I love music. So anytime a new artist, not as much lately just because life gets busy, but I think it makes sense for the less, less than the cost of an album each month. You can listen to any playlist, any artist, almost any song, so if somebody's like, oh, I love this album by this person, it kind of enlightens you in the music world so you can basically experience anything. If you're hanging out with somebody, you know, if you're hanging out with grandparents, you're hanging out with aunts and uncles, everybody's different ages, has different tastes in music. Even if you're at a barbecue like today for Memorial Day, it's great because you're like, all right, well, I don't have that on my phone. Before, like if you had an iPhone or you're not an iPod, you may have a couple thousand songs. And not everybody likes that taste of music. At least Spotify, it's always good to, it's on your phone in general. You can basically say, hey, oh, you like 70s rock? Let's put it on. And then boom, it makes playlists and it's instantly accessible for what, 10 to 15 bucks a month. So it's kind of like Netflix where it has a little bit for everybody, but it's basically just as much music and as, as much stuff as you can. And I know, I think they're looking to go into audiobooks and podcasts as well because that was an Apple thing. And I guess Apple made pretty good money on it and Amazon. So I'm guessing Spotify with their monthly subscription is going to be even better value because you're getting audiobooks and you're getting podcasts. So it's your all-in-one streaming. Um, and it shows how much of a – how big they are becoming. Um, I'm also looking up – Do you have you heard of uh, Bill Simmons? I've heard of his sports. Yeah, supposedly he is getting like $196 million from them. What? For what, a radio show? Yeah, for his whole whole thing called The Ringer. It's a podcast and media company. For so. so I'm guessing that's the rights to it, though. So they basically own everything and anything that he does for future is what that is. So it's basically a contract to say, hey, this isn't for a certain number of years. This is just allowing us as a company to go ahead and use all your content that you've either created or you've made, which is pretty neat. Yeah, so I think I think Spotify is trying to solidify 
being the number one streaming service from now on. And they're, I think now like they've just put YouTube and all these other ones in check, you know, mm-hmm. and what are they going to do in response? Um, so the reason is why would Joe Rogan do this and put all his content into one company? Like let's say when the company fails, what happens? So um, we were talking about this earlier of why he would do this. Um, and he's friends with a guy named Alex Jones, who is banned from every platform. <laughs> and um, what I was reading from, or what I was watching, was actually ironically on YouTube. Tim Pool, he's an investigative journalist that uh, is friends with Joe Rogan. And what he was saying, quoting an article about Alex Jones, talking mm-hmm. about Joe Rogan and why he did this, was basically he wanted to have content his way and YouTube was giving him resistance. And you've heard it a few times when he's like, we can't show this video. They'll take us down. Ah, that's right. Okay. Now it makes a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so now if he's on Spotify, I think he has rights to all the music and stuff that they have. So, okay. So I, I think he's not going to get strikes and get all of a sudden all his video content is going to get taken down. Um, but also, supposedly, Alex Jones was saying he wanted to get some alternative doctors to the norm of what YouTube is pushing. So YouTube says if you put certain videos out that disagree with the narrative of what's happening in the world with coronavirus, we will take your video down. Okay. Whether or not, supposedly that's what they're doing. And he wanted to interview some doctors that have gone, I guess are going against what the coronavirus narrative is. Okay. And he asked YouTube if he if he makes these, will they put it up? And they said no. So this is according to Alex Jones. He said, "All right, well now I'm just going to like you know say screw you guys, and now you have none of my content. You mm-hmm. don't want to play what I want to put out, then you don't get any of it." What do you think about that? You think that's true? Well, I think there's two different things. The problem with Alex Jones is he's super extreme on one side too, though, and a lot of and I get what they're kind of doing. They're trying to limit the amount of uh, incorrect data that's not really backed up by facts, just kind of like opinion pieces, which is fine. The issue with it is, same with the left side media and the right side, the problem is a lot of it can be said and people can believe it without actually fact-checking. And Facebook did do a thing where they have, if somebody posts an article or something that's stating something that people were like, whoa, that's why I didn't know that. It'll say underneath it if it's a fact check, yes, it's a fact, or if it's false, it's completely not backed up at all, and there's conflicting data against that. So I get it. It's the spread of false information, but the issue is a lot of the media does a lot of false information too based off of they're trying to be the quickest to get their information out. So, for instance, with Twitter, social media, and people able to post on Facebook, you know, well, can drive, yeah, somebody can drive past an accident like in Delaware on Route 1 and see an accident, like, oh, there's an accident. Uh, everybody, it's lanes are all shut down to 1, and instantly, as soon as the accident happened, they can post it on their social media. Word gets around, and that's how they spread the news. The news doesn't have that anymore. They try to get the news out as fast as possible, but anytime it's it's relevant news that's new, if you think about it, if you're if you're two days behind on something like that, People don't care nowadays. So when, when everybody can post news or everybody can post opinion pieces on the social media without being fat, false or fact, 
it can cause a lot of headaches for everybody, especially with coronavirus where people are still in the dark about it. Um, so I get where they're coming from. I think the, the media needs to hold back until things are confirmed because that way, at least if you know it's on the news, you know it was confirmed with real data and it's like you can actually agree on it. Uh, I get there's opinion pieces and there's a lot of opinion pieces, especially on ESPN. They're, that's all they do now is just opinion pieces of people going on there. Who's the best? Michael Jordan, Kobe, all this. And to be honest with you, most people are like, all right, enough with the comparisons for things like that because it's a different time frame. You can't ever say who's better. I mean, I guess you can, but uh, it's one of those things where the fact checking is important for a lot of this stuff. So I get what they're saying with Alex Jones. He, he says a lot of random stuff. It's funny though. Like, I think it's satire, but. Some people actually take it to heart, and it causes uh, interesting conversations. But, yeah. Um, yeah, when you were talking about, like, Facebook and all that, the first thing I thought of was the Covington kids, how quickly people wanted to put that story out and then have their opinion on them. And then, like, the facts started coming in, coming in like, within a day, and you're like, all right, that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Here's more video. Like, we all should have held the gun. <laughs> but, like, the corona stuff, it's it's so tough because it's constantly changing. Yeah. Like all the information is changing. Like what is what is facts, what is not facts. I I don't know if we have anyone that has like a full agreement or understanding of what everything factually is. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we will because of the fact that there's there can also be a hidden agenda behind it. There can always be a motive. There there can, People don't ask what's happening. Now they always ask why, or they should be asking why. And if you ask more why questions, you can understand something better. But at the same time, it's time-consuming. So if you're wondering why did this happen, why did this outbreak, is it true, why is this? It's not really saying that you have a tin hat on or a tinfoil hat that's your conspiracy theorist. It's just I think people are naturally inquisitive, or they should be of why something that this mass, this, this wasn't just a U.S. thing. This was all over the world that shut everything down probably close to four or five months and it's still doing a lot of damage to economy and businesses and people's lives. So between, you know, people losing lives and the world economy crashing pretty hard and then coming back, uh, it's one of those things that everybody has a right to ask why and to know the real truth instead of having to take CNN or whoever's, you know, people are not going to just say, oh, this is what happened and take it with, that's it. They want to know more, more details about what really happened if something actually was deep down. So, yeah. Well, the thing I think this comes back to Joe Rogan is he wants to hear all the opinions and then form his own opinion about mm-hmm. it after all that, which is kind of like what we want, like people go to college to get. They don't go to college to be told this is what you should think. They go to college, get all this information from all these sources, and then like form your opinion. And normally, you form it based on like the facts that you find out through it. Through it, but I don't know if people like doing that themselves. I think we may just have gotten lazy. In which we- I think so too. I think lazy could. That's definitely the the word. Where on social media, it's very easy to just see a news article click the share button, and then everybody else can share. That's why things can spread so viral. Even if it's the wrong information, you could read something that could be misquoted or you took it wrong way. You can share it and just type, this is what's really going on, keep an eye out. And then everybody else will click on it, and then all of a sudden you just spread wrong information that you didn't even confirm. And it can be deadly because 
You know, some people don't really take the time to research things. They just hear it and say it and go from there. Um, so I think that's important that everybody should take at least a couple minutes to verify if it's something important in their lives that's affecting them. Do a little research before you start spreading the, the news, you know? Yeah. So how this affects YouTube and Google from now on is our future podcasters going to try to strike deals like this and get off of YouTube and just have their own content no matter what it is, whether people think it's false or not. Just here's my content. You come away with what you come away with. You think YouTube is like going to slowly start losing a lot of people or you think they're going to adjust a little bit to keep people? Well, I'm trying to figure out YouTube's stance on Joe Rogan asking if he can post the front lines or the other side, because I don't see why any company that's basing themselves on freedom of speech and videos would ever, ever try to suppress one side or the other. I understand if it's something that's really nasty or mortally wrong where, you know, kids shouldn't watch it or things like that, that can be very disturbing. But for somebody to just ask different viewpoints on something that the whole world can actually relate to. And I know that they'll tune in for, I don't understand their beliefs on why they would censor that. So I think Joe Rogan was correct on that. And I think his whole stance is freedom of speech and the right to market and use media to get the word out is correct. And I think he's doing it the right way, especially in his interview process. Like we were saying before, when people get interviewed on TV, it's like a 10 minute interview. Even Larry King was what an hour interview back in the day. So that's the standard. But when you go to two to three hour marks and you can talk to people and again, they always pitch what they're selling at the time or what they're really trying to push. That takes a couple minutes, but to get to know the people, it's actually a lot more enlightening because you hear a lot of these people that you'll see on the news majority of the time when they, they do their small interviews, you, sometimes you can get a distaste for how they are. But then if you hear them talking in their normal, you know, two or three hour long form, you actually get an understanding for the person and it helps. Um, so I think that's the proper way to do it. And I think a lot of people are going to be copying that as far as interviewing. And you know what, if you're interested in the person enough, whether it's on CBS or CNN, if you have somebody asking the right questions, you know, you could take the time to stream it and watch it. So I think it's correct in what he does. And I just, I don't understand why YouTube would, would, would stop something like that where, you know, talk to the doctors. Vice does the same thing. If you ever watch Vice or read Vice articles, They'll go under as far as, you know, they'll go to like Malaysia or Cambodia or places like that. They'll go find farmers that they, they shield their voice, shield their face, and they'll ask them how they make opium and stuff like that. Like interesting things that people really, you know, it's an interesting article or it's an hour long show that you'd be interested in. And they go under like that too, as far as they can go find stuff that's probably not going to be on CNN as much, things like that. So. Uh, I think the censorship shit thing only makes sense where if it's already proven wrong. Well, the thing is, YouTube and Google have been seen censoring videos and content. You brought up Larry King. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a woman that worked in the Biden organization in like the 80s. And, there, and her mom called Larry King back in, I think, the 80s, like 84, 85, okay. and on the air saying, like, something about get her daughter being sexually assaulted by, like, politicians and by Biden and stuff like that. And Google took the episode 
down. <laughs> um, people on Reddit, they like timestamp. They're like, this is where the episode belongs. It's not there anymore because this woman just came out and started accusing Biden. Well, we have proof of when it happened because because her mom called mm-hmm. Larry King on this episode. This episode is now missing. <laughs> like you're censoring facts. Oh, yeah. And that's always how it's been for the last 50 years. Anytime it's been recorded in events. Think about like Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein, how those finally blew up and were exposed. And they've been doing that. Bill Cosby did all that drugging women stuff since what, the 60s, 70s, 80s? And he joked about it. Yeah. And he joked about it on Larry King as well. But the problem was, is I think people just knew him as a comedian. So they either didn't make anything of it or it was a different time frame or they didn't know the severity of it. So it's one of those things that, you know, they can cover it up for years. But I think, I think what's going to happen is 2020 and, and, and the more that people can access knowledge faster or streaming, is the, the less cover-ups there's going to be. And there could be a lot of misspread information, but at the end of the day, I think people, if they're educated enough and take the time to read through stuff, can start educating themselves and making the correct opinions, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, I wonder if this is like a reality check for YouTube to like stop censoring that stuff and let people just form their opinions. Like, if 100 million people watch Flat Earth, and like, whatever, <laughs> then have someone make a flat earth video disproving them, you know? Yep. <laughs> well, I know YouTube. Them, and then, and then, then people are like, well, you're censoring them. There must be something to it. Yep. If you're not giving them the platform to speak. And I know gun, gun stuff was taken off a while back too. Like people were reviewing different types of guns. YouTube had an issue with it. I have to look it up. Let me see real quick if I can find something. They basically had to create their own YouTube-type platform to show, like, reviews on guns. And it was one of those things. Let me see if I can find it for you. Yeah, but while you're finding up, I, um, I think this is this is basically Joe Rogan say, like, saying, I, I don't think he needs the money because if Bill Simmons made $200 million off of this, I don't no, think no, he's not the think money. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, I think he just wants to produce what he wants to produce. And yeah. he doesn't be held back. So uh, here, and I, and I get it. I mean, some things you don't. So here's what YouTube says right here. And even it even says in YouTube uh, support site. Uh, policies on content featuring firearms. Content intended to sell firearms instruct viewers on how to make ammunition, firearms, and certain accessories or instruct viewers on how to install them are not allowed on YouTube. They shouldn't be used as a platform to sell or accessories noted below. So I get that. Like, yeah, it's not the place to sell them, which a lot of places do. They don't allow live streams that show someone holding, handling, or transporting a firearm. So they must have changed that. So a live stream, they don't allow it. Uh, if you're posting content, don't do anything about that. Provide instructions on how to convert. Okay, so they're doing that. That makes sense. So they must have changed it because they used to have it where if you had gun videos just reviewing it, they wouldn't allow it at all. Uh, live streams... So they're viewing, I get that. That could be because they don't want kids going out and creating their own stuff because that could be dangerous for a lot of people. So I get that, but. You know, I got a question about like live streaming. If we have a live stream of a police officer, you know, doing a speech mm-hmm. and he's got a firearm on his body, is that not allowed on YouTube? No, it's allowed. I think they just don't want people showing how to make things or to create things or to 
properly use them because, again, that can be dangerous. If you have a 10-year-old kid that knows what he's doing, he finds a parent's firearm all of a sudden, he just YouTubes it because everybody – I mean, think about it. I have three or four-year-old nieces that watch YouTube all day just on their kid videos and stuff, and they do have um, the parent locks on it where they can't access certain things. But I get what they're doing from that aspect. Uh, it's just I think the viewership for reviewing guns is allowed on there, but I'm not 100% sure. So I get if it's the safety of others to kind of go ahead and, you know, monitor or at least put a password on it that you're over 18 or your account's allowed to be used for that so kids don't get in trouble with that. But the censorship thing, that, that always worries me when things are being censored, especially in our country where, you know, even for today, for Memorial Day, people died to defend freedom of speech, right? Yeah. So it's kind of uh, putting them out in vain because they're censored. And then you have the articles on people that are like, well... Like the coronavirus, where people have to wear masks, the big debate is don't tell me what to do, what, you know, how to, what I should wear, if I can wear a mask, what's unconstitutional. And that's a, that's a, that's a fine line on what they can tell us what to do and what not to do. Um, but the mask thing, I think, was more just suggesting it, a strong suggestion to keep everybody safe. Whereas, I don't know, I guess there were certain places that had people show up to, what, like City Hall with, with rifles and things like that? And they're just demanding that they don't, you know, tread on their rights, which makes sense. They just want to kind of keep them saying, hey, you know, well, I get what you're saying, but yeah. anything but more I, can be infringement. Yeah. The mask, like we tell people that you have to wear clothes to go into restaurants and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we just I say, like, this is part of, like, <laughs> your, your attire? Because, like, if you don't wear clothes and you're making food or you're around food, whatever's on you can then spread. Mm-hmm. Like that's the same thing with the mask. If you don't have it on, whatever you have can spread. Now yeah. I, I see what they're saying is like, well, when were you going to, when are you going to tell me I can never wear a mask again? Yep. Like, is this going to be like in perpetuity? And now <laughs> everywhere I go, I have to wear a damn mask. So I, I think I, that's the case. I think that's exactly what it is. I think if we put a definitive date, depending on where you live, and just say, all right, June 1st or June 15th, no longer wearing masks, just keep away from other people and don't cough on people. I think people would be more obliged to do the mask thing until that date. But since the whole thing started off where, like, all right, we're going to stay at home order for two weeks. And everybody's like, all right, two weeks, that kind of sucks. But you know what? It's only two weeks. Then it became four weeks. Then it became two months. Then it became four months. And you know what I mean? Like, I think people just get tired of it because what if they come out and say, we're going to have a stay at home and order extended until December? Like, what would you do? I'd be like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd be like, well, who voted for it? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, who's making these decisions to say what people can do and not do? So, I think that's majority of it is people don't have the heads up about why is a stay-at-home order? And the whole case thing is, is tough to really say because, you know, there's more new cases, but there's probably so many variables of things out there to say, oh, yeah, there's 100 new cases, but that's because you guys have test results from two weeks ago that you're finally getting back or a week ago or, you know what I mean? They have more testing kits, so obviously there's going to be more cases. So it's very – there's so many variables to say all this when, yeah. you know – yeah, so it would have been interesting to see those doctors on Joe Rogan um, talk about it. Because, I mean, we're assuming that they're going to go against the, the narrative of what is being said. Mm-hmm. And 
cases and all that. And I don't know where to find doctors that have that. There was one video that was out. I think it was called like Plandemic or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that on YouTube, right? Uh, it might have been taken down on YouTube, <laughs> but yeah, people did not were not a fan of that. And um, oh, yeah, they got a lot of people pissed off, huh? Yeah, yeah, but that I know that's the only thing that has come out. Um, well, not only that though, it's funny because man, there's some people on YouTube that really, really ride that. That hey, like when somebody's like, hey, I need you to stay at home for two months. They are on that no questions ask. Have you noticed? I don't, I don't know. I read people. They're like, what's so hard about staying home for six months? People. They're like, oh, I haven't had a paycheck in four, and my family's starving. So you can eat ass. Like you know what I mean? Like people get mad because they're not placing themselves in other people's shoes, or they may have a cushy job somewhere that they don't have to worry about, or they stay at home so they don't care. But they're so so for that about like listening to orders without questioning them. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude. So I looked up on YouTube, Plandemic, mm-hmm. and they don't have the video, but they have how Plandemic and conspiracy spread, um, people talking, some people talking about the movie, but most about fact-checking the movie. Okay. So like it kind of comes back to like all the things we, we talk about but it's like, where's the opinion of the movie? You can all you're doing is telling me that this movie is false and whatnot. But now I gotta like do research and watch the movie. You know, you're not giving me both sides of the story. Yeah. Well, not only that. Do you remember all those Super Size Me and all those? Well, no, the ones with um, what was the one? Bowling for Columbine. Those kind of documentaries that can kind of push a certain way. With what was his name? Let me look that up because he, he won a lot of Oscars for best documentary and stuff. And I, I thought they said after a couple of years that they, uh, the director, like, he kind of made a lot of it up. Or not made it up, but, like, there was a huge uh, reason why he did it. So, yeah, his name Michael Moore. Look up Michael Moore. He did a lot of uh, documentaries. This one, yeah, he won the best the Academy Award for Best Documentary was The Bowling for Columbine. I get it. He has a good heart behind it, but you got to make sure how much is being – pursued that's actual factual or how much are you doing for propaganda and that's where the fine line becomes propaganda that there's an agenda behind the whole message which people do have a freedom of speech for but sometimes that freedom of speech crosses the line between is it free for everybody to understand like as an opinion or is there going to be a hidden motive behind it that's actually pushing itself off as a fact does that make sense yeah so but yeah the pandemic I heard about that, and then they took it off within like a couple days, right? Like everybody's like, "Watch this movie." It was getting yeah, it was getting too popular, and it was going against what you know what the narrative is, which is can be an okay thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they took it down because all I'm seeing is it banned, and then people fact checking the movie. But, but yeah, they've completely taken it off their platform. Well, New York Times said it's falsehood spread widely. So let me see. There's actually a, a graph. Let me see if I can share it with you. Hold on. What is all this? Collapse. Give me one second here. There's too many pop-ups on this. Let me go ahead and try to see if I can share my screen if you want to see it. Yeah, but the thing about YouTube now, and this is like coming back to Joe Rogan, is like I'm looking up pandemic. All I'm seeing is that I shouldn't ever watch it and that it is terrible. Well, let me see it. Yeah. Let me see you it. see again. this? Yeah. 
so that's the thing is no matter what you say, she's like, dude, don't see this. It's completely wrong. It's bad. It's bad. They're like, well, it can't be that bad. I got to check it out myself. Everybody's very inquisitive and it's like this right here. So the first post of whatever it was, look how fast that spread within a week, already almost 3 million views. And in two weeks probably go up more, but then they took it down off Facebook and things like that. Here's the article that's sitting here. 26 minutes. So where can we find this video? Because I am interested in watching it. Uh, 8 million views now after a week. I remember watching it on some, like, Russian website. <laughs> uh, <what? laughs> uh, I think pandemicmovie.com uh, I saw on something. No, that's not it. <laughs> so here's the thing about it. I don't mind watching something like this because I can watch it and be like, that's full of shit or it doesn't seem plausible. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I feel like I have the confidence in myself that if I read something, I wouldn't completely believe it, but I would take some good points away from it if that makes sense. Yeah, like I watched it and I was like, mm, a lot of that I, I know like in my heart is not true. Yeah. And then there's some I'm like, all right, I need to look that up to see if that is actually true. But that's what you should do as a person is look it up. Um, you shouldn't just be told by someone not to watch it or look it up. Like what happens when people get told not to do something? They do it. Like that's what made, that's what made like Michael Jordan amazing. Is people yep. said, oh, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. And then he did it. <laughs> yeah. So that the, the whole thing is, is that, it can definitely go in the wrong hands. If somebody's a hardcore leftist or, you know, hardcore right, no matter what it is, if you're hardcore about it, there's a good chance somebody could give you a normal fact that you could skew to your viewpoint, if that makes sense. So I get that. That can be very dangerous because any extremist regarding of what they're, whether it's religion, whether it's uh, taking a stand on something, Anything that you give to an extremist, they'll probably point in their viewpoint and say, this is how it really should be. No, no, no. That's not what it meant. Even like a Bible verse, it can just be a verse that was 2,000 years old. And then somebody that believes in it certain ways can say, all right, this is what it really means. It's always left for interpretation, but sometimes it can be interpreted wrong. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think um, with Joe Rogan, he's like, man, j just let them interpret it how they want to interpret. I'm just giving them um, these people's opinions. And I think that's smart. I mean, you're always going to have that, though. Like, like I said, like the extremists are always dangerous. Because they're extreme, no matter what side they're on. You don't have an extremist saying, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's discuss this more in detail. They don't. They're usually very close-minded, whether it's the left or the right side for politics or any any kind of person that's stubborn. It's hard to really have a good conversation because they're not open-minded to it. Yeah, so I think this is like the first big blow to these organizations. And then if more fall in the line, like these investigative journalists and these other ones that get banned and – I think something called shadow banning in which you kind of hide their content oh. Search when you search it. Um, yeah, if a lot of them start moving, then like what's going to happen with YouTube? They're gonna, their stock is obviously going to go down because more people are going to leave the platform. Yeah. Are they going to loosen up again to try to get those people back? Yeah. And get the content that, like, that you've been talking about with firearms. Well, not all the content with firearms, you know, but... I get it though. If that's really how YouTube does it, where they don't want people to make firearms, learn how to use them, I think it's kind of smart to the point where it's age restrictive. I think everybody can kind of learn. 
but I think it can be super dangerous in the wrong hands. So I get that point because you don't want an eight-year-old finding something they should, and all of a sudden they go to YouTube and they can really cause a lot of problems, you know? Yeah, now back in the day, I used to be on the radio and stuff, and we and radio was based on the community standards of the community. Mm-hmm. So, like, at certain times, things were allowed in certain areas. At other times, they were never allowed. Mm-hmm. Based on the community and what the community wanted, these these major global um, websites and corporations now, who's determining what is good for the community? It's them. It's not the community yep. that's deciding it, because the community would put up the Joe Rogan interviews and the Plandemic movie, and you know some of this other stuff. Yep. I agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, think about it. People always want answers, especially when it's restrictive-based. So, coronavirus. Imagine if they put together a documentary that's two hours long explaining from start to finish where it began and where it was finished and the actual factual report. Imagine the amount of viewership that would be, whether it's on HBO or CNN, and it's, con- and it's open to both sides so you can talk to the doctors on the front line. You can talk to the scientists on the other side that either created it or they know a lot about it and how to, I mean, obviously they're probably not going to know how to solve it yet with the vaccine, but imagine that that's probably going to be one of the top viewed documentaries of all time because everybody's been affected by it. So I think it's important though, because you need both sides. If you only have one side, either a gets boring or B it's not the whole story. And that's what people want. So I think it's important what you said. And I think the community would want something like that. Uh, at least something that's like journalism. That's what happened with normal journalism, you know? People used to go under a cover. They'd find the stories. They'd get all this. They'd put together a well-constructed story. And then you could read the story. And like, that was really a good piece of of art, you know? Or not art, but at least that, that gave me a lot more uh, insight on what the topic was. Whereas now everything's like, I don't know, it's kind of just thrown together real quick. It's pretty terrible if you read articles on my mind sometimes. Yeah, so um, I I expect now with Joe Rogan going to Spotify, being able to do whatever he wants, Alex Jones claims that he is going to be on the pod. He'll be he he and Elon Musk will be the first ones on the podcast. Okay. Imagine if both of them were sitting together; that would be amazing. That's um, cool. Um, but just think about how many people he'll put on the podcast now. You know, like will he put like someone that is pro flat Earth and just kind of have a debate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or whatnot. By the way, I did look. I did YouTube Flat Earth, mm-hmm. and on YouTube it has a Wikipedia article, and the first sentence in the Wikipedia article says the flat Earth model is an archaic conception of Earth's shape as a plane or disc. I love how they put the word archaic in there, but but on YouTube it has flat Earther versus scientist, and then like flat Earth versus round Earth in which you get to get both sides of the of the coin, you know, yeah. to form your own opinion. That makes sense. I mean, if you want to believe it that hard enough, that makes sense. Go ahead and do the research on it. Look at Google Maps, things like that. And, the, the, I mean, we've never been to space. We don't know. So, technically, <laughs> it could be a huge lie. I doubt it is because okay. I don't know why you'd lie about it so much. Yeah. But at the same time, is hey, you know, if you want to spend a couple days – looking it up, then go be my guest and then give me the information because I'm not going to waste my time on that subject, but some people may, you know? Yeah, if you want to spend days trying to debunk debunk it and then 
and then present your information, you know, why should be allowed to have the chance to listen to it? Yeah. It's just, I know if I'm at a barbecue drinking some beers and some whiskey, if somebody starts talking about it and says, have you heard about this? Probably going to go walk away and talk to another group of friends because fuck that. I got other things to do. Yeah. But you have the freedom of speech. You don't have to watch it. Like when it's on YouTube, I'm not forced to watch the video. I can over it. You just, I'd rather go watch something else on video, a music video or something else that would be more in life. But that, that's, the, that's the beauty of it is, is keep it open, keep the discussion open. Because if a 10-year-old or 12-year-old that hasn't learned about it in school or 8-year-old hasn't learned much about it and wants to know more about it, like Christopher Columbus and sailing around the world, it sounds very uh, – it sounds like a huge accomplishment because it is. You know, you're thinking about it, you're like, wow, that's, there's a lot of water out there for oceans. I wonder how long it took. And this – it allows them to look into it without being restrictive and you know i don't know where this flat earth thing came from but yeah i don't know how it got big again but um yeah the last thing we want to talk about with joe rogan is um his deal and like what it means (laughs) how crazy it is for streaming compared to if he was a musician Mm. so um this guy um i'm trying to figure out his name Tom Gray, Director of Royalties, Music Copyright and Licensing Society for the PRS for Music. And he says, and I quote, Joe Rogan just got paid the equivalent value of over 26 billion streams for a podcast license. A musician, and another music writer said, a musician would need to generate 23 billion streams on Spotify to earn what they're paying Joe for his podcast rights. So... Also, just double just double that number for Bill Simmons, you know. But yeah, so I'll, I'll, let's see. I'm, look, <laughs> I'm looking at all these numbers. It's pretty good for the guy that did Fear Factor, where people eat donkey dicks and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just think he's he's a comedian that loves smoking weed, eating yeah. whatever like DMT or whatever mushrooms and fungus, and he's pro that. He's big into like you know wrestling and fighting and hunting, and he's getting this type of deal. Like th- he's like now the new mainstream, you know. Mm-hmm. About as an artist, how many, how popular of a song you need to be listened to? Like Gangnam Style got like what, like eight, ten billion like <laughs> views. <laughs> like he's got to double that to get into the Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, not only that, I'm looking up details now. Joe Rogan made 30 million bucks a year, supposedly, before that. And then somebody said, we're going to liberate your users from the ad-supported ecosystem. So if you think about it, the one thing I'm reading about here is advertising sucks, right? Like, people don't like to sit through ads. Even if it's a 20-second ad on YouTube to watch an hour of content, nobody likes those ads, right? So I think what this is doing with Spotify, at least in this article from Intelligencer, says... Why do they pay Joe Rogan so much? As they said, it's a huge deal because it's reflecting that advertising sucks and anyone with some money is figuring out a way to opt out of advertising, right? Which is huge because even back in the day, businesses used advertising like in Mad Men. That's what they do. They're, they're advertising and marketing since the 20s and 30s. Everything's been billboards, things like that. I think it's showing that people hate advertising and they'd rather just get the content, if that makes sense, by paying a premium. Yeah, and I, yeah, that, like, the future of advertising is going to be interesting when 
all these things go to premium stuff. Mm-hmm. And then is there going to be a backlash and people are going to be like, um, you know what, we kind of want ads again, or is this going to be a just so we don't have to pay NBC $10 a month and ABC $10 a month and <laughs> to get everything. And then next thing you know, you're paying like 150 bucks to get premium content ad free. You think it'll, I wonder if there'll be a backlash. Be like, you know what? Screw it. Just give me ads. I'm tired of yep. paying a month. It could be. That's that's the thing though. Is like I like Spotify because I don't like paying the ads, but I get a little bit more accessibility where I can look up a song or an artist anytime I want to listen to that whole album in entirety. Uh, Spotify, I think, has it. They might have changed, but the free version of Spotify is you type in the artist's name or the song you want. It's like Pandora, where it'll create the radio station of similar songs after. But you don't get the whole licensing where you can type in Pink Floyd and listen to all the albums or one album straight through like you used to back in the day. So I, that's why I bought it, just because I want that on-demand feature. Yeah. To me, 10 or 15 bucks a month's worth it. So. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, you can also listen to Spotify and the Joe Rogan experience for free as well, but it will oh. be. Okay. Yeah, so it's not like you have to buy it, but if you do buy it, it's like what, like you said, it. It's more what you want, yeah, than what they're going to give you. Well, I didn't really. Okay, so that makes sense. And pa- Pandora and all them members. So I don't. Is Sirius XM Radio still around? Are they still like getting viewership? Or I guess so because people don't want to use their phone. Happens, I think they, their model keeps slightly changing. Yeah, um, but hey, they may be the future of podcasts. They may just get a whole bunch of podcast channels. Yeah, you know, and just put put stuff on there. We'd even talk about them, but I could see that a way for them to go. Like, well, we'll I just, know. We'll just put all the, the back log of, you know, not Joe Rogan, but somebody else. It's like, you just listen to it, go to the channel, you want to do it 24 seven. Although you can't pick. That's the downfall. Serious. I don't think you can pick. Yeah. It's just, it's just there, which is, it was just fine though. But the, the thing is, is that series is like giving away. It's like, Hey, act now is 30 cents a month for the next three or four months. And people jump on those deals. Cause I think otherwise it's like five or six bucks a month or even more, but I mean, I don't know. I, I've heard it a couple times and it's okay. It's just, it's a lot of the same songs. I feel it's almost like a traditional radio station without really ads. So you're saving some money, but at the end of the day, I feel like you're leaving a lot on the table if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think we won't really know the future of podcasting until a few months goes by with the Joe Rogan deal. And we see yeah. like other big names move. Like, yeah. Yeah, we discussed a lot of the possibilities. These all seem interesting. I can't wait to see, like, January 2021 and see, all right, what's happened? Has anything changed? What's the viewer like? What's the viewership for Joe Rogan? Did he get more people to view it or less people? Yeah. And I think, honestly, uh, everything's changed, man. Corona changed all that. Nothing's going to be the same as before. It can kind of be. But in the back of your mind, it's like anything else. Oh, it could come back. You're just more prepared for it. And the fact, dude, everything with being at home the whole time, I know my business model changed where you're doing Zoom meetings now instead of you do calls and Zoom meetings. Nobody's been meeting face-to-face for, what, four months now, three months? So it's one of those things that, like what we're doing right now, I pay 15 bucks a month unlimited time, unlimited meetings, and I'm usually the ones that set them up for our, our Chamber of Commerce meeting, but... It's great because at the end of the day, my mindset is if you use it at least once a week and you're not driving 30 minutes each way, that's what, five bucks worth of gas maybe? 
And then you're, you're, how much, how much is your time worth? If you can sit here and talk to the same 10 or 15 people in a week, in an hour and a half, you can either record the meeting, you can have a chat feature just like down here, which people that are listening to the podcast, I could just type this and then you could put valuable information in here. And at the end of the whole thing, you can click save chat. And then I can email you that file so you can read it and check it out like in an email right after we're done. So for work, it's great because what if you left a note somewhere like, oh, shoot, I had their information. I just completely left it on the table when I met them face to face. This one saves time and time is always known as money, you know. So it's good. Um, and it also allows us to see our friends. I mean, talking on the phone's fine. But video chatting, you can sit there and share your beer, your ideas, your coffee. Well, I can't see it. Oh, my God. That's weird. My mug doesn't show up because it's black. Look at that. There it goes. <laughs> but anyways, I don't know. I think it's changed a lot, don't you? I think after we're all said and done, even if you go back to work, you're still going to be Zoom model. You're going to be Zoom meeting or you're going to FaceTime, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And, yeah, the future is going to be different. The future of listening to media is going to be different. It's, it's already changing, and it's constantly changing. Oh, yeah. So imagine, and that's just in the last four months. Nobody asked for it, but it was there, and yeah, like, it happened. Yeah, like, are people even at home listening to the radio right now? Like, I don't know. <laughs> people aren't, I don't even use my TV that often. We, we just stream because there's not really, there's no sports on. There's not really much changing. I guess things are getting back to normal, but I just don't have a need to be connected to the media that much where I can check my cell phone. I can check Facebook. I can check things like that where people can report the big stories if they happen, you know? So, yeah, yeah. And then well, yeah, Wait, it's time to wrap up. Thank you for joining the show again. Sure. Um, he'll be on in, a, in another edition coming up, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast on the future of po- uh, podcasting based on the Joe Rogan experience deal, which should start September 1st. So nothing's going to change right now. You can still watch him on YouTube and all that, but um Concerning our podcast, the podcast on everything, we are still on every platform except YouTube. Because <laughs> we want the viewership, man. <laughs> yeah, we're not about that censorship, so we've never been on YouTube. But yep. we are on Spotify. We're on our own website, thepodcastandeverything.com. Tune in, Google Play, Apple, all the other ones. Some of MySpace. <laughs> yeah, well, Napster, if you want to download us illegally, I'm sure we're on <laughs> But you may not have to because we're legally anywhere you can listen to us and just, that's it. You don't got to save it to your computer and give your computer viruses, things like that. You think people, like, it think something's out there for free and they still download it illegally somewhere else? <laughs> it's all about how easy it is for them to access. So if they use it all day, every day, I'm sure there's people still downloading music like that. Like, it's 20 years later. People are probably still downloading albums and, and songs and making mixed CDs. Somebody somewhere is doing it. And their computer hates them for it. <laughs> so, all right. Well, it was nice talking to everybody. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more discussions about other uh, huge uh, philosophical ideas, religion, things like that. We'll open up more on other categories later on in the next couple podcasts. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And... Enjoy your Memorial Day. Don't drink too much. Don't eat too much. And if you do, try to remember some of it. Yeah, so stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks. Yes, sir. Take care.